Support for the Zest comes from People's Gas, delivering clean, efficient, and affordable natural gas for cooking at home with precise temperature control. More at floridasenergy.com. Most people don't know the difference between a protein, a fat, and a carb. I can't tell you how many people have said, like, oh, rice isn't carbs. It's like, it 100% most definitely is. <laughs> There's no ifs, ands, or buts about that. Rice is literally straight carbs. I'm Julia Colon, and this is The Zest. Citrus, seafood, Spanish flavor, and southern charm. The Zest celebrates cuisine and community in the Sunshine State. This week, we're exploring the low-carb lifestyle. YouTuber Dennis Perez offers hacks for enjoying Florida flavors without all the carbohydrates. In Florida, there's no shortage of Cuban bread, key lime pie, or shrimp and grits. But eating well, minus all the carbohydrates, can get tricky. That's where Dennis Perez comes in. The Oldsmar resident is the content creator behind Black Tie Kitchen. It's a YouTube channel where he shares low-carb versions of his favorite foods with a side of humor. Among his most popular recipes are pizza, ice cream, and cheese biscuits. So put down that bread basket. Here are Dennis's tips and tricks for a low-carb lifestyle. I always wanted to kind of share my love of cooking with others, and YouTube is just the way to do it. So I started there. I was filming apple pies, and I made like six of them. And in the process of eating them, I go, I can't keep doing this. I have no one to share this with that would eat it. And so I, at that point, I transitioned both in my diet and in my content creation to sort of uh, lower carb, keto-ish, healthy food type of stuff to try and promote good, delicious food for people who are used to eating boiled chicken or just, you know, steamed broccoli, things that are very bland and just not very flavorful or exciting. I love that you want to make it taste good. Tell me about growing up. What sort of foods did you eat? Were they very rich? And yeah. You know, tell me about that. <laughs> yeah. So I grew up in a Cuban household and it was very not healthy at all. I mean, it was one of those things where healthy was not exactly well known. Like orange soda was healthy because it had oranges. That, I mean, that was that was the level of healthy. So you know, it was I, I would have be having to turn over like pasteles and stuff three four for breakfast, which were just so calorically dense and stuff. So yeah, growing up wasn't a very healthy ask. I mean, we tried to be. We didn't fry foods or anything like that. But the 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 idea of of what healthy was was slightly different. Okay. And I want to say for people listening, obviously, you have to consult your doctor. That's our disclaimer. Mm -hmm. But for you, you decided that part of being healthy was eating low carb. Can we define some terms? I love, I live in a house of carbs. I love I, pasta, yeah. all of it. What do you mean when you say low carb, keto, all these terms? Yeah. So kind of like you were saying, you have to be willing to explore. I've done pretty much the range of diets my entire life. I've done Everything from just eating meat to just being vegetarian to a mix or low carb, high carb, high fat, low fat, high protein, low protein. Uh, for me, low carb is 100 grams or less of carbs per day. That's all inclusive of whatever. A lot of times people for keto, say it's 20% of calories. So usually it's about 20 grams of carbs maximum. And it gets into sort of net carbs and it, it starts to get into math and stuff. But like you're saying, consult with your doctor, make sure stuff works for you. And if it doesn't work for you, it, it's, it's not going to be healthy regardless. But I ended up in the low carb count because that low carb camp, because that's where I felt the best. That's where I perform the best. It's where I feel the best. And it's somewhere in that 100 to 110 grams per day. And the only way you can figure that out is if you track everything meticulously. How do you do that? 
so you have to get a scale. Uh, it's one of those things where I even have people who are very much like, hey, I know what I'm doing. And they didn't know how much they were consuming until they finally got a scale and weighed out all their food. It's meticulous. It's tedious. But once you do that, you really get the overall idea of what you're eating and where you're at. And then you can take that and adjust it to what fits your lifestyle, what works best for you. And it's really one of the best tips that I can give people who are trying to get healthy is get a scale and measure everything out and track everything, whether you use an app or Excel or just notepad and pen, like that's the number one thing that you can do. So how long ago was this and what difference did you notice? Was there a difference in your weight or how you felt? How do you, how do you know it's working? Yeah. So for me, a lot of the, the way I know it's working is one, how I feel and how I perform in the gym or running or those sorts of things. When I was very, very meticulous about tracking what I did, a, man, a difference of 10 grams made a huge difference in how I felt and how I performed. And it was one of those things like you could hit one rep maxes in the gym type of thing or not and just feel like you're dragging that day. But uh, that's typically how I measure my performance and just feeling good. If I eat a very heavy carb lunch, let's say I'll fall asleep. Most people fall asleep after lunch. And that's typically from the fact that you had so much food. Like Thanksgiving, people say, oh, it's the tryptophan and the turkey. It's like, no, it's probably because you just had 18,000 calories worth of pie, mashed potatoes, sweet potatoes, all those things that you just put that in. It's like, you're not, you're going to fall asleep. Mm, but it's so good. It's especially, so good. especially the pecan pie. I'll put the diet aside for, for pecan pie. You'll put the diet aside. I will. All right. First, let's talk about the diet and then let's talk about putting the diet aside. Walk me through a typical day of what you eat. It's pretty boring, actually. Most people think I have a very exciting daily food intake. And it's not. It's pretty much eggs, maybe some bacon, a couple of protein shakes, and either ground beef, chicken, and broccoli or some sort of vegetable. That's pretty much it. Pretty, pretty mundane. The whole day? The whole day. It seems like it would be hard to do this kind of thing with other people in community. Yeah, I mean, it, it's difficult, like, when I'm with my girlfriend, because she's not uh, as, as strict as her diet and stuff, but... Uh, yeah, there's there's definitely ways you can mitigate it and try and focus on what you're trying to do. Like I try to eat more protein than I do anything else. So that makes it a little bit easier. Okay, so how did your Cuban family react? Oh, they're they're like, You're not eating rice and beans? Like <laughs> No, you don't want a pastel. No, I can't. I'm trying not to to do it. So it at first they kind of didn't understand it, but then once they started seeing what I was doing and sort of how I felt and stuff, they were like, Okay, that's fine. Like you have your own separate dinner type thing if when you come over or Separate dessert. Like, he's not going to have flan. He's going to have coffee for, for dessert. I want to have coffee and flan. Uh, yeah, both are the best, especially if you combine them. Put a little bit of coconut on top. Stop it. <laughs> Do you have any advice for people? Because people are listening to this. They are wanting to make some changes, but other people can be such a barrier. So before we even get into what to cook and how to do it, do you have any encouragement for people who may get pushback? You have to have a reason. Whether it's you really want to lose weight, you really want to get healthy, whether it's for you, your kids, if there's some activity you want to do you haven't been able to do, say you just want to go hiking for a mile. If you can't do that, you have to find the reason to get healthy. Otherwise, it's just like it'll last a week or two and then you'll just fall off the wagon, as they say. What are some common misconceptions about the low-carb or keto lifestyle? People get very dogmatic they think you really have to follow the rules to be whatever it is you qualified as where it's a lot more fluid. And that goes back to you really have to experiment with what works for you. I mean, I know some people who love meat, for example, but they've had to become a vegetarian because they felt terrible when they ate meat. Or some people who they tried, say, like a carnivore diet and they went all meat and their blood markers just went off the scale and they had to they're vegan now and they're fantastic. 
So it really depends what works for some people. I know people who've literally had straight ribeyes for lunch and dinner and their high cholesterol went away. Everything fell on normal. So it's, it's, you have to find what works for you. Mm. So if I went to your house in the fridge, freezer and pantry, what are some staples? So one of the things that I did is I actually took out the pantry so that I couldn't have any of those, I guess you could say, uh, closet safe foods, no crackers, no breads, none of that stuff. So in my fridge, it's literally right now I have broccoli, eggs, Greek yogurt, frozen chicken, frozen beef, I think a block of Parmesan cheese. And then everything else is just literally all sorts of ingredients that most people have probably never heard of. Like what? Xanthan gum, locust, bean gum. I mean, if you look at labels of things, you'll see them. But a lot of this stuff is very food science-y stuff that I, you really have to incorporate for low carb to make it get to a level that we're used to. Um, so one of the things that I worked on for a while was a, a low-carb pizza. And that sounds really simple, except to get it to actually taste like pizza took a lot of experimenting with different things like xanthan gum, guar gum. And it eventually ended up just being like gelatin. It was like the simplest one to make it actually give it a chew that we expect. But uh, yeah, my house is mostly a science lab. That's Beakers and all sorts of things everywhere. So you talked about low-carb pizza. That's something that I would have thought was off-limits in a low-carb diet. What are some other foods that people might crave that they can still have? Creme brulee is one of them. How do you do that? It's literally heavy cream, water, and sugar, which there's a lot of sugar alternatives, and they've come a long way with that stuff. And that, I mean, it's, you can't tell the difference. Huh. Yeah. Creme brulee is a strong one. That's the, wait, this is, this is low carb. You're like, yep. Oh my gosh. Support for the Zest podcast comes from Seitenbacher brand natural foods like muesli cereals, oils, oatmeal, energy bars, gluten-free fruit gummies for the kids, organic coffee, and more. Available in supermarkets, health food stores, or online at Seitenbacher.com. Do you ever cheat? Yes. I mean, I wouldn't call it cheating. I just call it, uh, it depends what circles you're in. Some people call it a refeed day. Some people call it a an extra meal type of thing. Uh, it really depends what it is. I mean, some things I'll, I'm willing to go off the diet for, or I just find ways to fit it in. So like, let's say I, I try to look at things at a much more higher level and much more macro. So instead of doing day by day, I try to look at it in a week. So like, let's say I'm having pizza today. Well, now I have to cut carbs for the rest of the week or wherever it is. I have to find the allocation for it. So I really just try to fit things in. Obviously, some things I try to just avoid completely because it would just, it's when it's, it'll be like a trigger food. Like if I have tortilla chips, I'm going to eat the whole bag. And if there's another bag, I'm going to eat that bag too. Mm. So have you found an alternative for tortilla chips? I don't know. <sighs> kale chips? <laughs> no. That, one, that one's a tough one. That one, that one is it's, – it's tough to control myself, but I've found ways to do it. But there's no good alternative to that one. That one's a one and only. Okay. So eating a food that's going to trigger you to just fall all the way off the wagon, that's a no-no. What are some other mistakes that people make when trying to go low-carb? Another mistake people try to make when they go low carb is, like I was saying before, they become too dogmatic. And they're also, and the other one is that they're not tracking. You really have to track what you're doing. Unless you know what's going into your body, you won't know how to change or adjust or know what works, what doesn't work. That just doesn't sound fun. It's not that bad. It, it only takes a little bit, then you learn how to do it. The other thing, too, is most people don't know the difference between a protein, a fat, and a carb. I can't tell you how many people have said, like, oh, rice isn't carbs. It's like, hundred percent most definitely is. <laughs> There's no ifs, ands, or buts about that. Rice is literally straight carbs. Start reading labels. I mean, people don't read labels and they go, oh, this is, for example, there's a lot of quote unquote keto friendly products out on the market. 
But when you read the label, it's really not. It's really just been like a marketing gimmick to try and get somebody who doesn't read the labels to say, oh, okay, this is this is fine on whatever it is I'm doing. Or it'll be like, uh, say, like fat-free or low-carb friendly, but it's just chock full of calories, just calorically dense. Mm. So if you eat one too many, well, now you're not in a calorie deficit, so you're not losing weight, which is what typically people go into a specific diet for. So, yeah, you really have to be calorie conscious as well. What do you do when you're eating out? Are you that person who's asking no, to no, speak no, to no. the manager? No, no, of course, no, <laughs> never. I, I, I'm an adventurous eater, so that's always been a problem in terms of trying to stick to a diet and kind of go out and explore. But like I said, I just try to allocate it. I may not eat for the entire day so I can eat some gnocchi at a restaurant or something. Mm. I actually don't go out as much as people think. But you do constantly cook to create content for, what, YouTube and Instagram. Mm-hmm. What's that like? Difficult. The one thing about cooking low-carb foods is not having carbs available to you makes it really interesting, especially when you're getting into baking things because you don't have flour. You don't realize how magical flour is or how magical sugar is until you don't have it. So, for example, like ice cream. Ice cream, sugar plays such a critical role in ice cream. It keeps it from freezing. It makes it sweet and all sorts of other things. Like they literally have studies on this stuff. And without it, you have to find the right mixture amounts of alternative sweeteners to get it to be that soft and have that mouthfeel that you actually are accustomed with ice cream. Otherwise, it's just, it's it's not very good. So that takes tons of iterations, tons of trials. I mean, you're talking difference of like a gram of something. It's like, oh, well, this was too soft. Well, now it's not soft enough. So where do we go from here? Have you done it? Yes. Succeeded very well, actually. What's the secret? So there's the slow and the fast method. There's the better yield takes you like three hours to do. And there's the like, I only got 30 minutes. Uh, it's, a, it's a mixture of the right amount of the specific low carb sweetener and certain like chemical things like we were saying, like name chemicals, but it's just, it's a ground of bean, like locust bean gum and kind of a concoction of different gums and powders and stuff to, to make it the right mouthfeel and, and freeze temperature. Where do you buy that stuff? Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> of course. <laughs> it's, it's the easiest place. I mean, there's the, tons of other... Uh, vendors out there but that's that's the easiest place that's accessible to pretty much 90 percent of the population okay we already prefaced this by saying you're not a physician but we had a few questions about the medical effects my colleague delina only has one kidney because they donated the other one to their sister (laughs) we've had a question from maggie about the effects on exercise i think you mentioned that you exercise and Mm -hmm. and don't you need carbs for that don't you need carbs to live I mean, you're still going to eat carbs. You're just going to be eating much healthier carbs. It's like you can't, if you only have, say, 50 grams of carbs eaten a day, it's a matter of you eat a quarter of a donut or you have broccoli and maybe an orange, maybe half a banana or something, you know, whatever fits into that, that sort of range. As far as like having one kidney, I mean, that's something you'd have to talk to your doctor about. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. <laughs> no, and I'm not even going to touch that. We're not going to go there. Let's see. I'm really interested in your. Instagram feed and all your social media because the food is like so colorful and you make it look so fun. But then when you told me what you eat in a day, there's a disconnect. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, the the stuff that I cook are typically treats. And the other thing too is once I basically make a recipe, I've made it so many times that by the time I'm done with it, I'm, I'm done with it. Like I may not make it for another year or so. It's just like I'm so exhausted from like pizza. I think I did 40 iterations of that thing. And I love pizza. But by the end of that, I was like, I'm not making this pizza. <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it was just too much. It was I had it too much for like a month and a half. What's a recipe that has gotten a really good response that people thought, oh, I could never eat this again. But now you've shown me that I can. Pizza. 
pizza and ice cream. Those are pretty common across the board for most people. Because a lot of the low-carb ice creams that you get at the store are not very good. And a lot of the ice creams that you see online and recipes are sort of these hacky, like two ingredient, no churn, done in 10 minutes. Like you just, there's no, there's no shortcuts to it. It takes a little bit of work, just like the pizza. You know, if you're going to make a pizza at home, you have to let the dough rise. It's the same process. It's just a little bit more work, but you can have it. Okay. What do you think about almond flour? I think it's good. I mean, it's pretty much a staple in a lot of baking and stuff. Um, Some people can stomach it. Some people can't. It really depends. But it's a great product. I mean, the one thing, obviously, is almonds are pretty pricey and difficult to make or farm. Yeah. Are there any other types of flours or any other staples that you would suggest people keep on hand? Yeah, if you're if you're doing low carb keto, there's definitely a gamut of powders and flours you should have on hand. Almond flour is one, coconut flour is another one, lupin flour is pretty strong. Oat fiber, not as much, but as far as some other things, xanthan gum, guar gum are critical. I mean, they, they make it you don't realize the texture that you get out of those things until you don't have them. Guar gum works really well for cold stuff, xanthan gum works really well for for hot stuff, say breads and that sort of thing. Those are probably the, the key powders and flowers to really have on hand for low-carb and keto stuff. Okay. I do want to go back to the exercise question, though. If you have a baseline for your workout regimen, you'll have to play with it. If you don't have a workout regimen baseline, low-carb or keto really depends what you're doing. They've done a lot of the studies. It works better for sort of uh, endurance stuff, not so much for fast, you know, action-type things. Um, but it really depends on your body. What about someone like me who has no intention of going low carb, but is starting to come around to the idea of cutting back? Mm-hmm. Where should I cut back? Probably, I'd say start looking at what you drink. Most people drink soda or like coffee and they load it with cream and sugar and those sorts of things. And you don't realize how many calories those things add up in terms of carbs or fat or whatever until you look at it. Um, a lot of people go to Starbucks and have their triple mocha latte with uh, whatever cream. That's 450 calories most of the time. Um, so drink coffee black. I'd say start there and just start looking at the, what you do in terms of eating snacks and those sorts of things. And like I said, it kind of goes back to tracking what you do. It gets a lot easier over time. You start to recognize the size of things like, oh, that's four ounces of chicken. Last night I was eating pretzels in bed. Yeah, it's probably not advisable. <laughs> I, I think I knew that's that. That's how you get ants. Speaking of ants, on your website, there is merch that relates to ants. Mm-hmm. What are ants? Growing up, we were very meticulous about being clean, especially once you moved to Florida, because it seemed like if you left a little teaspoon of sugar out, you'd have ants. It was just, I guess, in the suburbs. I don't know if that's a Florida thing, but uh, so very keen on keeping things clean, clean as you go, clean after you're done cooking so you don't get ants. And so that's kind of where where that came from. That came from my mom. Oh, literally no ants inside. Yeah, no ants. We don't want ants. I thought that was like some kind of carb term. Nope, nope. Just don't want ants. Okay, nope. We sure don't. Nobody wants ants. Sugar <laughs> ants, red ants, wood, nobody wants them. Let's talk about being in Florida, as you said, and you grew up in Florida. Where did you grow up? Yeah, for the most part, I basically grew up in Tampa. I think I moved here when I was 10, so it's it's going on majority of my life at this point. We have so... We have a bounty of fruits, vegetables, herbs. Are you in a position to take advantage of that as someone who eats low carb? Yeah, really. Like again, again, it goes back to what your diet consists of. Um, I'm sure you. Well, I don't know if you've heard, but some people say like you've never seen somebody get uh, overweight by eating apples or eating oranges. Like you'd really have to gorge yourself on those sorts of things. So I think you really just you have to find what, what works. I eat fruits. I don't eat them a lot, but I eat fruits maybe one a day or two a day, depending on where I'm at. 
so yeah, I mean, it's possible to explore and, and consume those things. You just have to be cognizant of what you're eating. Okay. A lot of people listening would like to be where you are in terms of being a food influencer. <laughs> What's been the most surprising part of that journey? The most surprising part is there's, there's two. There's the people who say, you've helped me accomplish this, or you've helped me, you inspire me to lose weight or, you know, eat healthy. And then the opposite side of that is the people who are like, you have no idea what you're doing. That's, you can't combine these things. Like clearly I just did. So yeah, I think it, it's, it's two sides of the same sort. There's the, Hey, this is amazing. Then there's the, like, you're a terrible person. Yeah. It's just weird. It's weird. People telling you things when they don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I, I love your take on this. What are your thoughts on meal prep? Oh, meal prep and I have a tumultuous relationship. I, I don't like meal prep. I don't like reheating foods. There's just something about reheating food, whether it's in a microwave or a stove or a, a, a saucepan. I, I just can't do it. So what I tell people who suck at meal prep and hate meal prep is just prep your ingredients, cut your onions, cut your limes, separate your meats out, marinate them, but don't cook them until the day of, because let's say you change your mind. Like it's taco Tuesday. Well, you don't want tacos. You want steak. Like, okay, well, it's easy enough. Let's just not make tacos. So I recommend doing that. That way it gives you that variability and, and you don't feel bad if you don't eat the meal because it's going to happen. You're going to skip a meal and then feel bad and like, well, now this food is going to waste because I'm going to throw it away because now it's four days old and I still don't want to eat it. So it gives you the variability to change what you're cooking and uh, opens up a lot of doors for, for variability. That's a great tip. Do you have any tips for people who want to be a food influencer? It looks like a lot of work. <laughs> yes, I, I often get a, the question of I'm thinking about starting a YouTube channel, blah, 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 blah. And I tell them do it. Because the one thing about doing any sort of content creation is it'll give you a massive appreciation for the amount of work that goes into it, whether it's just the planning, the execution, the handling of the logistics of it, the social media side of it, and especially in, f in the food world, coming up with recipes. There's so much stuff out there and trying to come up with something original is not simple. And it just requires a lot of time, dedication, and doing it by yourself is definitely a, a minimal part-time job. Yeah, I'm just going to probably stick to eating pretzels in bed, unfortunately. <laughs> now, were they chocolate-covered pretzels? No, that's oh. oh, that's so decadent. That's my favorite junk food in the world. <laughs> yeah, the, the, those salty, chocolatey is, is it's unmatched. It's a little too messy, I think. Got to eat that at a table at least. Since we're here in Florida, final question and then anything else you'd like to add. What is your fantasy Florida low-carb meal? If someone wants to feel like they're really indulging in Florida food, but still keeping it reasonably low carb, what would be on the menu? I think for that, you'd probably have to go with some sort of fish with local citrus. That's 100% low carb, and it's going to give you sort of the best flavors of whatever coast you're on and give you sort of the oranges, limes, those sort of things. So I think a sort of like a baked or fire roasted fish fresh from the ocean would probably be the or the gulf would be the the way to go there what would you serve on the side oh man uh french fries <laughs> what <laughs> wait a second no just serve it uh, give it a give it something coniferous broccoli or something something very basic but it's not going to overpower or overshadow the fish okay dessert oh man I feel like it has to be something – see, it depends because if you're in South Florida, you have such a wider variety of, of fruits and stuff than you do here in Tampa. So it's – that'd be an interesting one. You could come with just just fresh fruit. I mean that's that's sufficient enough. It'll be sweet. It'll fulfill the, the, the sweet tooth and then really kind of close out the – here, this is out of Florida. 
And then maybe some black coffee. Yes, 100% coffee. 100%. <laughs> well, Dennis, this was fascinating. You're you're making me rethink some of my life choices. <laughs> Do you always wear a black tie? I try. <laughs> well, you're looking good. Thank you so much. Looking good, feeling good. I appreciate your time. I'm glad to be here. Thank you. That was Dennis Perez of the YouTube channel Black Tie Kitchen. Dennis shared his recipe for picadillo. Find it on our website, thezestpodcast.com. I'm Delia Cologne. I produce The Zest with Andrew Lucas. We get help from Chandler Balcom, Hannah Abdel-Majid, and Mark Hayes. The Zest is a production of WUSF Public Media, copyright 2022.